Auto insurance can all seem the same until it comes time to use it. So don't get stuck paying more for less coverage. Switch to USA Auto Insurance and you could start saving money in no time. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right welcome back it is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on soonerscoop.com with the boys uh, are all here and uh we are ready for another week it is uh it's hoop season, but we got a lot of basketball. We had a Regents meeting over the weekend. Uh, we all we also have uh, Zach Alley officially introduced as the Oklahoma's co-defensive coordinator. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll talk a lot about that. And we have, uh, as I said, the Regents meeting where you have the announcement of uh, salaries for uh, Seth Luttrell and uh, Joe John Finley. Uh, George Stoy is here. He was at the Regents meeting. We'll talk about that. We've got hoops going on. Bob Stoy or Bob Stoy, Bob Rosbillo <laughs> will drop by uh, to talk a little bit of hoops. Sooners uh, on a two-game losing streak right now, but uh, it's been a, a tough go of it in the Big Twelve, and at least they've gotten some of the better teams uh, behind them. Uh, although I don't know if there are any bad teams in the Big Twelve. I think maybe there only be one, and maybe a suspect one tonight is OU gets ready to take on West Virginia. Uh, so here we are, gang. Uh, good to have you all back in studio and. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's just that time of year, you know, on, I was on the boards a lot yesterday talking about this and that, and I know Josh has upset the uh, masses today as well, so congratulations, Josh, you, you shit stirrer. Uh, yeah, you know, this is, uh, it's the off season, I gotta find something to keep everybody mad about. No, I I wish I could claim that I was that uh, that methodical about my approach, but people ask me questions, and I answer, and generally it's gonna piss somebody off. Well, I mean, I, I I think there's just a lot of you know we had the, we had the pod last week and it was kind of a venting, if you will, about uh, what was going on in uh, with OU and in the transfer portal and in in NIL and all that stuff. I think that stuff continues. I mean, George, I know you were at the uh, at the Regents meeting. Joe, Joe Castiglione was asked about you know NIL and and what's interesting about this you know and, and big part of my day yesterday I spent on the message board talking to people about this, trying to explain it. I think everybody's so confused and it gets to that thing like people like, I don't want to talk about NIL. I don't want to hear about that stuff. Just let it happen. But then when you start losing players because of it, they're like, well, what's wrong with NIL? It's, it's, you kind of can't have it both ways. You have to educate yourself on it to understand uh, exactly how it all works. And I, you know, when people ask Joe Castiglione, like, what are you doing to help improve NIL? There's really not an answer for Joe. I mean, the way it stands now School's still, it, and we're going to talk more about this, but technically, Joe Castiglione cannot arrange an NIL deal. Nobody in the athletic part, department can arrange an NIL uh, deal. They can't collect any money to execute an NIL deal. Uh, that's where the collectives come in. Yeah, I don't think people understand um, how it works, and myself included in some capacity, but this is and not... we're not a- meant to, by the way. I mean, right. it's not like... It's not like collectives are telling you, oh, yeah, this is how we go about doing deals with people. And here are all the intermediaries we use to get it done. Right. And and the one thing that I always get is like, well, 
uh, why don't you report the number that players are getting paid? And it's like, well, I, I don't, I don't see the physical contract that these guys are getting paid. So it'd be irresponsible for me to be like, oh, well, I, Caden Green got this amount of money to go to Missouri. It's like, I, I don't know what his contract looked like. I don't know what OU offered. I mean, we, we hear the numbers yeah. from people that we think know, but it's like, we, I have not seen the physical contract. And so, I don't know. I just think people get really upset about it. And the thing is for OU fans is, look, we can go ask Joe Castiglione that question every single time we see him. Mm-hmm. He's going to continue to give the same answer, and it's basically a non-answer. And the same thing for Brent Venables. I mean, Brent Venables has been very clear about the way that he's going to build his program. And whether you like it or not, it's not going to be NIL as the number one priority. And I do think that OU's done a good job in, in some areas in NIL a lot better than other places. It's just... OU has never been one to be a program that thinks it needs to go and pay all this money to get these players. And I think you look across the country and you see that from a lot of big programs. I mean, the, the, the programs that are doing this, we said this last week, are you know programs like Ole Miss, Missouri, that have to go out and spend the money to get these guys. Make a splash. Right. And I'm not saying OU shouldn't do that for certain guys, but uh, I just think it's... Um, you know, dumb to be like, oh, well, they, they just are not spending any money. That's just not true. Like, they, they are. They don't yeah. get a Dion Burks if they're not spending money. They don't get even a David Stone if they're not spending some money. I mean, it's... it's. And look, we should we should put it this way, too. It's like, this is, this is not just a black and white deal. Like, this guy wants this much money, you're going to give it to him. Or you're not going to be able to pay him. I think people feel like OU is losing out, you know, because they don't have enough money. Because... There are billionaires involved in this. Deal. I mean, you know, there are people with a lot of money that can pay whatever they want if they wanted to. But I also think, in Brent, like you said, Brent Venables is on record, uh, and he said, you know, several different ways, several times. Like, if the first thing you care about and talk to me about is NIL, you're probably not for this program. Like, if right. that's what is the foremost thing on your mind, and and guess what? I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that that's wrong. Brent's going to he's laying his own bed in terms of if that's the right approach or the wrong approach, because wins and losses will determine. If Ole Miss and Missouri go out and they become legitimate national championship contenders, then everybody's going to say, well, they did it the right way. But it didn't work like that at Texas A&M. It didn't work like that at Miami. So it, this is all up for debate, interpretation, uh, you know, uh, uh, criticism, whatever. No, none of us are trying to defend the NIL program at Oklahoma. Because, I, I mean, I could talk about this Tom Blue in the face. I, they obviously don't care about crowdfunding money because there's no, there are very few efforts. And that was a big topic on the board yesterday about the Crimson and Cream Collective and uh, how there's no outreach and you can't, people couldn't even sign up if they wanted to. Uh, and my response to that was, well, this is designed to basically funnel money to players through the big money donors, the BMDs, as, as we call them. So, you know, it's just, it's not a comprehensive collective, I don't think, that's set up at OU. It's just, it's, it was put in place to do what the big money donors wanted it to do. And Josh looks frozen. I think he is frozen. He we is just got literally a, frozen. We just got a message from him. I had a power surge. Hmm. The grid's going out in Texas. Oh, God. The cold's going to take cold's, it out now? The cold's taking it out, I think. Yeah, and we've lost him. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll try and get back to Josh. I can tell Eddie loves this subject. I just I <laughs> don't have anything to add on it. I mean, I well, I, I think, think that people I think are bitching it, about stuff that 
is there. It's kind of like, it, it's very similar to the kicker thing. It's like, we need a kicker. Go out and get a kicker. And then they go out and get a kicker. And it's like, well, not that one. Right. That's not the one that I wanted. Yeah. I, I There's a system in place. And the, you know, people bitching about the uh, way that the website's set up. I looked at it. What am I missing? That I guess they're just saying that, you know, th- as of yesterday when they were complaining about it, and it was Grimlock that started the big thread about it. Uh, he was just saying that there's no way to even sign up or look at your account or figure out if you're subscribed or not. I gotcha. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I it feels like there's something in place, and if people just utilize it, it can be used for good. But the idea of like PR teams needing to reach out to uh, to get to people, and I think that there is some level of you know you go to some of these SEC stadiums and they have collective commercials during the breaks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Sure. And that's every available. Little, that's available to Crimson and Cream because they're they're licensed as a collective by Oklahoma, but they're just not spending money on stuff like that. They're spending money on getting deals done and getting people. You yeah, I getting negotiated and and done and paid. And they're they're not a big like the Sooner Club's above us. It's a whole floor of people working just to garner donations, like. Crimson Cream doesn't have that stuff. They got a couple of people that help wrangle players and uh, get them to whatever they got to get to to fulfill their NIL you know, requirements. Also, I don't know what Grimlock is talking about. If you just go to their website... It's and, right there. Contribute. You click on it, and mm-hmm. then you put in your information. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what exactly... I don't really understand... I, I truly don't understand it. I find the whole conversation somewhat exhausting because there is something in place. And like George said... Uh, I just keep going back to the idea that these that people think that Oklahoma is not active at all in the NIL game, and it's just that's completely unfounded. It's not true. Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't put together a top five class after a six and seven season if you don't have a collective in order. And here's the other thing. Well, and I, I, here's the other thing too. And, and I think people are overvaluing what how much crowdfunding or crowdsourcing would do. Like yeah. that's not going to. That's not going to get you a five-star defensive tackle. I mean, maybe one, you know, but probably not. I mean, we saw the numbers from when they did, you know, the the first match thing, and it wasn't. I think they got like one point two million dollars or something like that, which was great, but that was doubled. Like, we're talking about places like Ole Miss. We've heard numbers like eighteen million dollars is millions what it's going to cost to field this football team this year. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And I'm not going to tell fans how to be a fan and, and they can 
they can bitch and complain about it all they want because that's their right as a fan and, and that's their right to be a Sooner Scoop member. But at the same time, they need to, like, I think people need to realize that it's not changing as long as Brent Venables is the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Like, it, it's very clear the way that they're approaching it. But his philosophy NIL. is, yeah. Yes. And even, I would even say, go as far as, as long as Joe Castiglione is the athletic director. Like, that is just not what Oklahoma's going to do. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, we're, we're talking about one position, too, though. Yes. It's uh, like, it, yeah, it, yeah, I just the keep offensive going. line, if they, if they had gotten a, an offensive left tackle uh, through the portal who was deemed that a guy that everybody wanted it would be no the one exact would be opposite right everybody yeah. would be talking about how great the collective right is. like i it's just i think it's a no you're right it's about it, one and position. i'm not saying that crimson or that crimson and cream or the collective or whoever it's just it's it's one position group that you need to shore up i'm i just i don't know it it feels like a lot of uh hand-wringing over when it, at the end of the day nothing but that's not to say that the collective can't be better and get out in front of more eyeballs. Yeah. And I hate to use this example because I, I genuinely don't know, but I, I would like to guess that Washington and Michigan, who just played for the national champion, do you think they have better NIL? Well, Michigan did a big Oklahoma? push. Like it was, it was out there. Like once they got to the playoff, it was like, Hey, yeah, like their collective was reaching right. out and starting a drive and stuff like that. Well, I'm sure that. they get a lot more money if the team makes the playoff. Right. I mean, it, that's part of it. Right. But I, I think people are like, why isn't Crimson Cream doing that? And I understand, like, and I, to stick up for them, they're doing everything that they, they can possibly do to pull this thing off. It's It would be up to the big money donors to give them some more money to operate with. Like, that's, that's who, you know, probably deserves the criticism, not the collective, but the people behind it that are funding it, give them the money. And people are like, well, it's Sooner Scoop, you should do it. No, we don't have time to do it. We, could, we couldn't pull it off to the level that they're pulling it off. We have too much other shit going on around here. Anyway, Josh's power is back. Welcome, Josh. Yeah, sounds like I missed some good conversations, guys. I, uh... I don't know. It's, it's like it always is with NIL. It's like you feel dirty after you talk about it, and you just wonder. But it just... It got to such a fever pitch. And, and like Eddie said, he summed it up perfectly. If OU had signed a really good offensive tackle out of the portal, everyone would be just fine with OU's collective. I I think that's I think that's fair. And you know, and I everybody on the board knows I've weighed in on the the Lance Herd and my feeling on all that sort of stuff. And and honestly, that's my I guess that's my question about all of this, guys, and I think it would be I'd be interested to hear what you all think is is Oklahoma willing to adapt if that's what's gonna be the way things go? No, like if that's the way you gotta is, compete is, because is Brent willing to adapt? That's the question that you you're you're Yeah, avoiding. I mean I, I guess to a finer point, yeah. Yeah, do you give in on one guy or two guys or three guys? I mean, like that's yeah. what Brent's gonna weigh ultimately and and what's gonna determine his success as a head coach or not. And I do think he's adapted yeah. in some regard because yeah. I think everybody thought he was just going to be mm -hmm. like a replica of, of Dabo Sweeney and you look at what Clemson's doing and it's totally different than what OU's doing. Mm -hmm. So I think he has adapted. It might just take a little bit longer. And, and again, we'll see. Like, I mean, if if I think if Ole Miss or Missouri goes out there and they compete for a national championship or, or get to the final four everybody next year, adjust. then everybody will be like, oh, well, shit, we can just do what they're doing. But right now, it has not been proven that this is a way that is going to win you a national championship. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm totally yeah. blind to it, but it just has not. Ole Miss is a great experiment experiment next year. They're going to be uh, fascinating it to is. watch. Because they're a good team, they're not a great team. Right. I mean, like Missouri, they they were a much better team than we thought that they were going to be. Now, how much does this put them you know, on another level, or does it just keep them the same? I mean, they lose Luther Burden, which is the best part of their you know their team. Uh, I mean, he's gone, right? Burden's... No, I think he's got no, another he year. He's, back. he's got one more he's year. He's got one okay. more year. Mm-hmm. It's just the third year and, guy. Wow. And that's that's my deal with all of this. I am interested to see, are Ole Miss and Missouri going to do this year over year? Or are they just being smart and realizing, hey, this has got a chance to be one of our most talented teams. Ole Miss got Jackson Dart. Ole Miss had Quinshawn Judkins. You know, they had all this stuff in place. And same for Missouri. You mentioned Luther Burden. You know, there, there's plenty of good pieces coming back on that team as well. And are they just kind of saying, hey, this is our chance. If we're really going to make a run at a semifinal or, you know, maybe if all the cards fell right, even into the finals or something, this is the chance. This is the opportunity. And they're throwing a lot of money at it this year with that thought in mind. And then, you know, maybe, hey, if it goes well, then there's more money at the end of the rainbow. But I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Is is this a long-term plan? Or is this something we're going to see other schools do where, hey, we've got a really good senior core coming, kind of like we saw with Michigan this year. Is that going to be what other schools do? Not that not that Michigan threw a bunch of NIL out. I just mean if you've got that core and you can add a few pieces that are really going to help you, do you kind of go nuts in the portal and then try to make that, you know, this is our year we're going to strike? Yeah, and I think, I think OU, too, to Josh's point, OU somewhat opted to use their – and, again, it doesn't just come from one pool, but – they said, let's use some money to get a Danny Stutzman, a Billy Bowman, Jacob Lacey, G.J. To secure Terry, them to, come, to back. come back. And I'm not saying that that money could have been used elsewhere like a Walter Nolan or something, but I do think that that was part of the thought. I think part of the thought process is like Josh was saying, kind of like Michigan, they said, hey, let's get these seniors back. Let's do whatever it takes to get those guys back and keep our core. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's probably one of those things like for Brent with you know his vision of what it is like, He's everybody's fine with paying those guys, so you're yeah. never, not going to get any blowback. Whatever those guys are earning, they've deserved because they've been in the program. They're captains, they're leaders. I think it's strictly from the new guy coming into the program thing that that Brent has to decide if he's going to change. Because I mean, you mentioned it. You know, he sounded like a guy that was just going to do everything that Dabo did when he came in here. And it sounded like, Josh, don't, didn't it sound like to you like, oh, well, he's not going to go after Canick because he was committed to Clemson. And and then he went after, yeah. you know, and then Canick ended up at OU. And I'm not saying he went after him, but uh, he took him. So there was a little bit of a bend yeah. there. Uh, and that's just the, I mean, like Brinson, first-time head coach, we've seen him adapt to a lot of different things. I mean, uh, he didn't want to be a defensive coordinator. Then he was a defensive coordinator. Now he's got, you know, now he's hired Zach Alley. So he's figuring this thing out. It's just, I, I think, like Eddie said, we focus so much on the offensive line. We haven't even stopped to say, like, OU could do what they did on the defensive line, getting David Stone and, and Jaden Jackson, and they could be every bit as good as Missouri or Ole Miss or even better than them on the defensive line. And you look at it, you're like, well, they didn't sell out to you know get every defensive player in the country. Uh, and they're still as good or better. That'll be something for me that'll be interesting to watch. But it, shouldn't they be? I mean, don't we just expect Oklahoma to be better than Missouri? Like, shouldn't that be the level of expectation? But you're talking I've about... I've already pissed off Missouri fans with 
Well, well, I mean, like you talking about to say that OU is going to be ahead of Missouri, they should be. I mean, like uh, to to any understanding I have. I guess I'm thinking in Missouri the comparison is the freshman. Like, did they? Yeah. With when Wary is he? You know, like if Jaden Jackson has a more impactful year than Williams and Wary does, like then you're like, okay, well, you know, the NIL stuff is kind of overblown there. Or if David Stone even has a better year. I mean, now yeah. Ole Miss, they went and got Walter Nolan and, and all that stuff. Like, uh, you're going to have a different type of comparison, and they were already pretty decent at that position. But are they going to be able to beat Georgia? Are they going to be competitive with Georgia? Like, does this put them over that? Those are all the things that we're all going to be watching. And guys, with, with Miami getting Cam Ward, Miami's probably the favorite in the ACC right now. Like, that's crazy to think about, but, like, they're also, you know, it's easy to write them off because the first two years didn't go the way people thought they might under Cristobal, but they've got a, a, a nasty defensive line coming back. They've got the best offensive line in the ACC and one of the best young lines in the country, in my opinion, with Malagoa and, uh, oh, the other big guy they signed out of the Northeast whose name is just escaping me, and Cake Honcho. Well, I'll, I'll remember that forever. But um, the so I mean I, I, there are several schools that are interesting, and I, I'm not saying that it's right or this is definitely the way. I just you know I, I think there's got to be some flexibility when guys. I, I look at because I keep looking at this team. I'm like, this is a really talented OU team. There's a lot here that I like. I just don't know what they're going to get out of the offensive line, and I think because Bill is so good. It'll be better than it should be, but it's still concerning that that could be the one unit that could maybe hold them back from making the playoff or really competing in the SEC in a few games. All right. It is the uh, Enjoy Vision uh, fresh perspective look around uh, as we've been looking around. The latest kind of the the buzz on the message boards in this first segment here, Uh, but Eddie Radosevich, young, uh, young Mr. Eddie Ratto next to me. He has a pretty good vision. All the NIL talk made me want to feel like Helen Keller. Enjoy vision, <laughs> but I did go to Enjoy Vision. It's the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. It's not even close. Combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. Because Enjoy is so great at what they do, they're offering the unofficial 40 listener $400 off LASIK. All you got to do is go to enjoywithme.com, use the promo code U40, that is the letter N, J-O-Y, withme.com, and use promo code U40 for $400 off LASIK. Enjoy vision. This is where you LASIK. Here, you need uh, Perry the Python to cheer you up. I'm not in a bad mood. No, I mean, I, I don't think you're in a bad mood. I'm just, we're, it's going to get better. We're going to have less NIL talks. So you're going to be happier. Um, okay, we did have the announcement on Friday. Zach Alley, uh, you, uh, I, did Joe even get asked about that on Friday? I, I asked him. Okay. Uh, I didn't ask him about Zach Alley because it wasn't official yet. I just asked, you know, when when are you guys going to announce a defensive coordinator hire? And he just winked and said things are moving well. And then it was the next morning that they announced it. Yeah. So. Well, uh, what did you take kind of from the, I don't know, announcement, if you will? Anything in particular? I mean, anything stand out about? No, not really. I mean, I did. I will say uh, for the people out there, I, I did speak to uh, Zach's dad. Uh, for a story I'm writing, and and he gave some good, 
get info about just kind of Zach's background and, and growing up around the sport. You know, his dad was um, a wide receiver on the 1981 Clemson National Championship team um, and has gone on to be very, very successful as a banker um, at Wells Fargo. So he uh, spoke to me for almost an hour uh, talking about Zach's upbringing and just kind of how he got into the sport. So uh, that's something to look forward to. But uh, no, I didn't really take much away from it. I mean, I guess we can get into the whole, uh, you know, titles thing. I mean, everybody was freaking out that he was named the co-defensive coordinator, not the defensive coordinator. I just, I think people look too much in, into the uh, titles of some of these coaches. But I a don't lot, think... A lot of time that's about money too. I yeah, mean, yeah. Being I mean, able to pay someone more. Sneaking Jay Valai in there as the assistant to the head coach of right. the defense or whatever the title that's is. That's how the I mean, people get raises in this business. Correct. So, I mean, I wouldn't look too much into that. I don't know who's going to exactly call the defense, but I do think Zach Alley at some point will be calling the defense at OU. It just may be a while. Like, I, I think Brent... I don't know if Brent's ready to hand over... Uh, his baby just yet but bringing on a guy like Zach Alley is somebody that can help scheme game plan make call sheets all that kind of stuff um, you know I think he's going to be a really good recruiter I didn't realize his role at Clemson was when high school coaches or players would send in their film he would go watch all of them and then he he picked and chose which guys he thought Brent should go out and recruit so I, I think he's a very good evaluator of talent I mean you saw what he was able to do at Clemson in terms of the talent they had there. So uh, he also helped out a lot on the defensive line. When Todd Bates was hired, he actually taught Todd Bates the defensive scheme and the concepts and, and watched film together. So I think he's a very, very bright young guy that's going to be able to recruit and also uh, help them scheme for, for games. Josh, is it uh, his name ever come up in the recruiting world much to this point? I mean, I know it's a different region and all Not that. Yeah, not a ton on my radar, but I, I will say I talked to um, one of their recent offers that they made this week. Uh, I actually made this morning to Tay Harris, a uh, Georgia commitment from the state of Georgia, who mentioned knowing Alley from his time at Jacksonville State, and that's that's a big part of this, guys. Like he has relationships in the southeast and with schools because he's you know he's been recruiting their you know second tier guys at all these major programs the. The um, not even the IMGs, but just these, you know, general Georgia schools, Florida schools, that kind of stuff, Alabama, you know, which is obviously, you know, the um, wh where he's been based out of. So I, I think there is, um, I think there's real promise to him. And Tay Harris even mentioned, like, really like him. He's really honest, you know, very direct kind of coach. It, it, it sounds a lot like a young Brent Venables that we've all heard about, you know, heard him compared to. So I think he makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, just for the people out there who haven't stopped by the site and read Woke yet, Tay Harris is working on an, uh, an unofficial visit to Oklahoma right now. And this is a Georgia commitment, uh, kid from the state of Georgia. So just getting, just showing that you have that potential, like basically you make an offer and the kid's going to come take a visit. That's a great start. I mean, I know we'll see. You've got, you got to finish guys. And obviously steal, stealing a kid from Georgia away from Georgia is going to be incredibly difficult to do, especially a defensive back, which we all know Kirby smart has a large hand in that. But, um, there is, again, it's, it's promising. It, it's a good sign for, you know, for a very early start. And we don't know how much he's going to get paid yet. Not yet, but I do think it'll be North of half a million dollars. I'd say like just guessing, literally just guessing. I would say somewhere around like 
six fifty to seven fifty to maybe eight. What's Bates' salary? Uh, I have it right here. Uh, seven hundred. Yeah, is Bates six fifty then for Allie. Something like that. Jay Vali's up to seven fifty. Um, but we'll th- know. We'll know if he's seen. I think if he's like eight hundred. Then we'll know he's really the guy. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting paid the most of anybody on the defensive staff, then he's calling the. I would assume he's probably calling the players or in or line least, to be the next play caller, right? And I still, th- I still think he, he's. I think he. This is a move though that just still again allows Brent to you know if a day if a practice comes up and he's like, hey Zach, you run the defense today. I'm going to go help out with special teams or offense or whatever. It kind of allows Brent to do that. Bad day for all the Ted Roof haters today. Yeah. UCF got another job. Interesting hire. Like I, the whole I, I I never that was another thing I never really got like why people were up in arms about the Ted Roof stuff when, but I mean he clearly people believe that he can coach. I mean he moves around a lot. And I don't know why he doesn't stay in one place more often, but yeah, it should be noted too though that him and Gus Malzahn have a yeah, prior relationship, he was so a, it's not like somebody's seeking him out and taking an opportunity or. Giving him an opportunity as much as you just wonder, like, does Gus Malzahn just trust him? He knows what he's going to get. Well, let's face it. Their defense was atrocious at times. Sure. Where do you guys think uh, OU ranks in the SEC in assistant salary pool? Hmm. Well, I know... Um, Fifth or sixth. I know that... None of you read my mailbag, but that's no. okay. I know that... I've never uh, read it once. It's a lot of lots a lot of stuff to read on a Monday for me. Um, it's okay. I I know that uh, Elko got eleven million for his salary pool at A and M, so I'm gonna say OU's like six million total. Seven last season, 2023, they were seven point eight, which would rank seventh in the SEC behind Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas, Texas A and M, and Kentucky. Where did that rank in the Big Twelve? I think it was two behind Texas. Hmm. Anyways, I think OU's will go up to uh, about over eight with Allie. It dep- I mean, here's the thing. If they're good. In well, the it would SEC. go down, wouldn't it? Because Roof was making one, two. Yeah, but everybody else got uh, big they're, bumps. Yeah. They was that, was that, that enough money. to make up the difference? Okay. I think so. Okay. It'll be it'll be around eight. OU was at 7.8 last year. I think it'll be around eight. I was, I was Which according to. That would put them five, according to the mailbag that I'm obviously looking at and and doing research <laughs> on. But I think what you'd also have to assume that uh, all these other schools are probably also going to give bumps to their coaches as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss gave out a bump. Um, <laughs> I was surprised to see Florida at six point five. That felt low for Florida. Well, they're really getting their money's worth. Well, and they've got a massive staff, like just an unbelievably yeah, they, Florida large still staff. Did. Florida has like one of the biggest staffs. Uh, this is staffs just out a, there, th- those numbers are just, just for assistance. the assistants. Yeah, yeah, not the okay. Yeah, okay. Because like the A and M, for example, Elko mm-hmm. was given eleven million dollars. That's not just assistance. That's assistants are included in that because A and M last year was at eight million. Okay. Well, you know I. It is going to be interesting because I think in the SEC, what's going to happen is if you have a really good coach, you're going to have to pay to keep him more so than in the Big 12 because in the Big 12, you are at the top of the heap. And Todd Bates, you know, for instance, would be a guy that would be paid as much as anybody in the Big 12. 
In the SEC, I mean, just look at what happened with Texas and, and LSU and their defensive line coach. I mean, it will be interesting to see. And Josh, I think that you have talked about this a little bit on Twitter uh, this morning, just in terms of, you know, some of these schools are going to have to start making decisions. Do you want to dump a bunch of money into a coaching staff or do you want to dump a bunch of money into a players? And, you know, obviously, I think that the Missouri and the old misses of the world, I think old misses lost two staffers to Auburn here in the, the last month. They're dipping their money into the players. It would yep. seem from the outside looking and, in. Like the whole Nick said, Alabama has 23 players on its two deep currently in the transfer portal. That's insane. <laughs> is, it, is it a bit I mean, shocking that Alabama not, is not losing? Not two deep, three deep. Is it a bit deep. shocking that Alabama is losing really good players? It's, it is to me, Kerry. Like it, I, I, you knew they would lose some. Yeah. Like the Isaiah Bond thing. I'm like, okay, that sounds about right. But Caleb Downs. <laughs> basically is just waiting his two years out before he's a top 15 pick in the draft or Caden Proctor, who, you know, we've all talked about a little bit this morning. Like guys, I mean, these are elite, elite top 10 overall recruits that started all year for Alabama. And I, I tweeted something about it earlier. I know that it's a different era. Like I get it. And I get that Nick Saban leaving changes things. But do we need to change our idea of what programs are like, and like, and how much role that plays? Like, oh, Oklahoma is a great program, or Alabama is a great program. Are you only as great as whoever your head coach is, and everything else is kind of irrelevant with NIL being, you know, such a massive part of this, you know, decision for these guys at this point? To me, this smells more like somebody got to these kids and said, "There's a bunch of money for you out there on the open market. You've already." You've already proven you can do it at Alabama. You're good. You got two more years. So let's go out and get you a million dollars before you leave college. That's what this sounds well, like. I, I, it, it smells like that to me. It'll be interesting to see how many of the guys that are in the portal right now end up returning back to Bama too. Same. And yeah, I, I maybe they just want really negotiating leverage. Yeah. You know. 100, I mean, and yep. from a player's perspective right now, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, well, especially if you're a Caden Proctor, where you know that yeah. they're probably not going to come back and say, nope, sorry, you can't come back. Mm -hmm. The The interesting thing is with Caden Proctor, the assumption is Iowa. <laughs> Guys, you want to talk about a school with some antiquated ideas. Oh, boy. Like, you know, you, you think Kirk Ferentz is going to roll out the Brinks truck? Like, that's not how he operates. We're, so, we're officially I, like on day like 140. That and their offensive coordinator search. You think he's going to be negotiating NIL deals? That is... Now, it's probably a little man. bit different when you return home and, you know, you probably yeah. have more ability to maneuver behind the scenes and get that completely done without your head coach knowing. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it just... It, it really does. It surprises me that Alabama has... And, I, again, because I'm a huge Kalen DeBoer guy. Like, I, I'm like, is there really this little credence? Like, Isaiah Bonds, like, it was a business decision. I'd rather play in Kalen DeBoer's offense than Steve Sarkeesian's. Like, I, that's, that's now Jalen Milrow is your trigger man is concerning. I, I'll grant him that. But, guys, it's not like Michael Penix was anything special without Kalen DeBoer. So, I, something tells me he'll get something pretty useful out of Jalen Milrow. Yeah, I'm just uh, well. First off, anything new developing in the portal that that we're hearing um, in terms of? I mean, we did the transfer portal uh, YouTube yesterday. 
Uh, I know that there have been some linemen that have got people's interest peaked a little bit. Um, it's hard for me, too, to see some of these guys that are entering from Washington and not automatically think, well, they're headed to Alabama. And I know that there's probably going to be not as many that follow DeBoer, but it's just, I don't know, like the offensive lineman stuff, certainly. There seems to be a couple guys out there, and if you're in a position of need like Oklahoma is, uh, you know they might help hold all the chips, but at the same time, you've got to get something done. Well, guys, if if a guy like Caden Proctor is truly open to the market, he is truly open and listening to offers and not just heading back home to Iowa or you know doesn't already have a prearranged decision kind of built in I I mean if OU has money to give that's not a bad place to give it like you know that that, that is I mean that's a kid that started every game for Alabama last year has SEC experience is only going to get better and a big bodied guy like that Jerry Schmidt Bill Biedenbow I mean he's tailor-made to work with those two guys like they he is ideal for what they do and how they craft offensive linemen um now again i don't think ou is ever going to be in play so i don't want to get anybody's hopes up but if there's money to be spent and there is you know if it's there and available i can't think of a much uh, of a guy that makes more sense for what they need and you know has some proven experience behind him i i i will say this OU fans could use a win right now. It would be nice if something like that did happen, but it's kind of just like everything else. It's like, don't get your hopes up because they'll just get crushed. Well, I mean, I, people keep telling me like, well, you can't spend that money on the guy when he doesn't have any experience. Hayden Proctor would walk in as Oklahoma's second most experienced offensive lineman. Spencer Brown's the only one that I know has more starts. I guess, I guess Fabecchi does too, but I mean, you know, I, I don't see that being a huge problem. This guy started at a level that nobody else has started at and played at. So, you know, played a national semifinal. So, I again, it's not going to happen. I'm just kind of talking it out. But he he's the only guy that I could say, yeah, it, you know, if he had any interest in Oklahoma, I have no doubt they'd have interest in him. All right. Uh, let's just kind of talk a little bit about you know, 2025, Josh, and, and, you know, the things to come there. I mean, I know there's a junior day scheduled, but really what's kind of shaking out with, with that class? I know OU is doing well, relatively, you know, speaking to the rest of the country in terms of, you know, commitments for the 25 class already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, Oklahoma has nine commitments in the 2025 class. That's second in the country behind i'm trying to i want to say it's ohio state something like that it was uh, no, notre dame it's notre dame um and so uh, again really strong start really like obviously what they've done at receiver you've got your quarterback already in tow with kevin sperry and you know kind of i've do had they, some though? questions about him do they yeah <laughs> everything that i have heard he seems fine he seems in with seth latrell um i, I think there's probably still yeah it's one of those situations where I don't want to rule anything out and say no, but there's nothing. There's no clear indication that there's a problem. I guess would be the easiest way to say it. Uh, he's expected to be a junior day. He's going to hang out. Obviously, having multiple other Carl Albert commitments that are you know on, in his class on his roster there with him, and they're still trying to pursue Tristan Haynes, uh, who's also going to be there, the uh, 2025 corner from Carl Albert. So there's a lot that 
that helps lock him in, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great early start. They are making the rounds right now. I mentioned the offer to Tay Harris. Uh, made a couple of offers in Arizona yesterday. Uh, Seth Luttrell and DeMarco Murray are out there kind of making the rounds. And then, um, you know, I, I had a lot on it in Woke, but Brent Venables is going to be out in the road, you know, the next few days here. I know he's going to be in Houston uh, kind of this week, early next week. Um, I, I obviously I think he'll return home in between. I don't think he's going to spend five days in Houston, but it's clear. I mean, they are, they are turning the page. I think it tells you a lot about where they see things in the portal right now. I think it tells you a lot about, you know, any, anybody expecting a big surprise in 2024 or some late edition. I don't really see that. So I, I think it's really kind of all go, you know, all ah, stumbling here, full steam ahead kind of with 2025 and really focusing on, those guys and finishing out that class that guys based on the numbers I'm hearing may be close to halfway done. Um, cause I don't think this is going to be another 27, 28 man class who are, give me a couple of names of guys that are just, you know, potential top 10 guys nationally that, that maybe OU has a shot at with this class. Yeah. Uh, I, one of them I'll start with and he'll be there January 27th, uh, at the, um, junior day is, uh, Jonah Williams, the big safety from Galveston ball. Uh, this, uh, you know, Eddie and I talked about it on the recruiting report back when I went and watched him, that guy, you watch about three plays and you know, he's special. He's just not like everybody else. Super long athletic guy, about six, three, two Oh five. I think he may grow into a linebacker and I know there are several schools that are recruiting him as such. But I also know that some schools are starting to pivot and say, "Oh no, you can play safety for us." You know, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna look at you at safety because that's what he'd rather play. That's that's absolutely what he's more interested in. And the interesting part about Jonah is he's also a very good baseball player. And we know Oklahoma's had a lot of success with Skip and you know it, dating back to Riley and now obviously this past year with James Nesta and Taylor Tatum. They've really married that kind of recruitment well together, and I, I think that's going to play a big role here. Um, so we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But another is Michael Fasusi, the big offensive lineman from Louisville, Texas. Another freak that, that you know. I think we, I think on three's got him as number fourteen overall in the country or something like that. He he's an absolute monster. Uh, been up a couple of times. He won't be in Norman for either of the junior days that I know of at this point, but he will be back this spring. I, he's already been to Norman half a dozen, eight times. I mean, he's been up there a lot, and I think he's got a real good bond with Bill Biedenboe. And uh, so, I again, another guy that I think is really focal. And I guess maybe the final, I'll just stick with the offensive lineman, is another North Dallas guy is Ty Haywood at Denton Ryan. Big, long, athletic guy. Had one of our favorite clips of the uh, the season, him doing the uh, basically the ghost fall after a guy pushed him trying to look for a penalty yeah. flag. So, uh, you know, these are... These are three guys that I think, if I picked right now, I think they'd pick Oklahoma. Like that, that's where I think it is. There's a long way to go. But Susie's going to visit Oregon, Miami, and Texas A&M in the coming weeks. So we know that NIL is going to have a role <laughs> in his recruitment. So we'll have to watch what happens. But again, I, I like where OU is. They have laid the early groundwork they need to. Do you get the sense that there is any type of panic within the program because of the offensive line situation? Like, is there a realization that yeah, we better hit on 2025 or you really are effed. I, panic would be too strong. Sure. But I do, th I mean, they know. They yeah. know 
that between, you know, like I said, I talk about Haywood, talk about Fasusi, the Andrew Babalola kid from Kansas that's really, really good. Uh, you know, uh, Lamont Rogers from Mesquite Horn, another guy that'll be there January 27th. They know that there's too much talent around them and they are in on too many premier guys for them not to land a really good offensive line class. I, guys, I mean, I haven't even mentioned Jontae Newman and Ryan Foje from uh, from Bridgeland in Houston yeah. that both in, in back-to-back interviews basically told me OU was their leader during the season. So this class has to be a hit. It ha- it's, it's just like the defensive line last year. I know we keep saying that and keep repeating sure. it, but and it's because it's true. It. And they went yeah, out and did it. They f- exactly. Exactly would, right. Would, and the, would there be So one? you need... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I. It, it just it has to be a hit, and if it's not, then yeah, that you've got to assess what the situation is, what where they're going wrong, whether. And I said something last week, and 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 I somebody quoted me on the board. And I said I didn't say that. I went back and listened, and I did, and I just said it poorly. So just to be clear to everyone, if it's nil, then you have to fix that. But if the nil, if OU is competitive in that market, and these kids still aren't coming then you've got to figure out what the problem is. Like it could, because you can't live in the sec at the level of play that Oklahoma expects to, and just expect to be smarter than everybody else. You, I, I've heard so many coaches tell me this through the years. Sure. You're going to land some three stars that turn out good. And you're going to have a lot of success. And bill Biedenboe's had more than most. Like we, we have to give him credit. Guy is outstanding at identifying and developing talent. But you can't bet on yourself to be smarter than everybody else indefinitely. Eventually, I always compare it to Vegas. Like, eventually the house wins. You, you're, you're just, I don't care how good a gambler you are, I don't care how good you are at poker, the house is going to take you sooner or later. And so, I, I just, I, again, you've got to land these guys when the opportunity's there. And I think, oh, you will. Owen Hollenbeck, great start there, big center. Him in at 6'4", 340 at the next level of lead. I mean, he's just a monster guy. So you've got a good start on the offensive line. Now it's about finishing out and really, really making sure you get some tackles you need. Josh, be- it's, it's only been a week with this new this new rule, but the fact that Brent Venables can meet the 2025 kids in person, has that meant anything yet or way too early to know? It's too early to know. I haven't really gotten any feedback from guys saying, oh, yeah, hey, he was by. Now, um, I will say they've wasted no time. I mean, this, this, you know, I know um, there hasn't been a ton of feedback yet, but like almost immediately, we were talking about Carl Albert. They were, there was four staffers over there last week, I think. Like they are hitting the ground running. They're, they're seeing everybody they need to see. And Brent is, like I said, Gonna not just like making a quick stop. He's gonna make several stops in Houston over the next four or five days, seeing a whole number of guys. So uh, I, I think they are being strategic where he's going, and I think it's gonna pay off because he's going to see a guy like Max Granville, who we all know is probably their top edge target in 2025. They're gonna see Kobe Sellers at Perlin Shadow Creek, that I think is very, very probably as close to an OU commitment that hasn't pulled the trigger is anybody in the 2025 class. Kobe Sellers and his family love Jay Valai. They love Oklahoma. Um, I, I think they're in really, really good shape there. So he is going to make several stops and he's going to see some other kids that maybe we don't know as well yet, but are elite prospects that Oklahoma is really trying to get their foot in the door with. Real quick on the uh, offensive line stuff too in 2025. Is it a little bit of luck too, and maybe not as much cause for concern or angst or whatever you want to call it that 
the region is so full of guys. You're not having to go to California or Florida or you know New Jersey or wherever. You're basically recruiting guys in your own backyard that, you know, everybody has a different background and how they grow up. But I would think that, particularly with these guys that have, you know, going back to sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they're familiar with Oklahoma, kind of the turnaround or whatever you want to call it that has happened. And playing competitive football in the SEC has to be something that it, it's a good sell. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there's no reason not to hit on a couple of these guys. They're literally in your backyard. I, absolutely. I mean, Eddie, okay, so you got Fasusi and Louisville. You got Andrew ba- Andrew Babalola that's in Overland Park, Kansas, Can- Kansas City suburbs, for those that don't know. Uh, Ty Haywood in Denton, Texas, right down 35. Uh, Lamont Rogers at Mesquite Horn. Uh, then you've got uh, Logan Schramm at Bernie, Texas. And then like six and seven on this list, uh, and I'm just literally going down an order of the on three rankings is John T. Newman, who I mentioned earlier at, at Bridgeland, uh, who OU offered after a really strong camp performance last summer, and Ryan Foje, his teammate at Bridgeland. Guys, Ryan Foje probably last year would have been Oklahoma's second or third best option at offensive tackle amongst the guys they looked at, in my opinion. Now, again, he's like sixth or seventh. Like, I mean, and they're not going to get all the guys in front of him. And I really, I, I would love to see OU land like Fasusi. Lamont Rogers and then Foje to kind of have like a developmental guy that I think has a lot of upside. But yeah, I mean that Eddie, that's part of the good and the bad. It's just like the sure. uh, again, God, I hate to keep saying it. It's just like the defensive line last year. You you so rarely have so much talent at such a at, at right at the moment you need it that you can't miss. You just and that that is one of those things where if Oklahoma does miss they're going to have to get aggressive in the portal next year because there's just going to be some need there that, that is going to even outweigh what clearly was a need this year. And I, and I think they did a decent job addressing it. But again, there are so many guys in the Texas area that are legit NFL kind of talents along the offensive line. And that's not even mentioned like a guy like Douglas Utu at Bishop Gorman, who we all know DeMarco Murray is going to have a chance to walk in and have a real a real in with from the outset. So there are, I, th- there's 15 offensive linemen that Oklahoma could land that they've offered right now that are clearly prime primary targets that almost any form or shape of that five or six of them make a great offensive line class. They just have to finish on several of them. And the only problem with all of that is, is they're going to be playing high school football next year. Not, <laughs> not able to help the 2024 uh, offensive line. But yeah, and how much, I mean, you mentioned, you know, this could be a class that's nearly half full. How much do you have to adjust based on, you know, if you find out, oh God, we can get six of these guys on the offensive line. Like, how much do you have to adjust there? Yeah. If you've got five already in and Ty Haywood calls you and is like, hey man, I'm ready to go coach. Like we, we got a spot, Ty. We're, we're going to find a way. We're going to get this done. Like, don't you sweat it. And I mean, cause again, a good problem it's to have just, basically. Yeah, like last year with the offense, uh, you know, the defensive line class where they were listing that graphic that had like eight guys, and they would have taken all eight of them if they could have. Like we we know that offensive line, I if they could land seven or eight of these guys, I don't see any way they're saying no. Like it's not gonna happen. I don't. Again, I don't want to be unrealistic. I'm just saying that's how good these guys are. This is a last year was a historically bad offensive line class right they just turn around and have a historically good one like and and 
in Texas. I mean, so many of these guys are in Texas. Uh, guys, to the point that there are three in the Tulsa area that I think could be OU-level players. The two guys at Owasso, Blake Cherry, and, uh, oh, I, I always forget his name. He's got the got the crazy hair. Um, and then there's uh, another guy at Bixby. I'm gonna, wow, I'm going to blank on two of the three names. But there are three guys in the Tulsa area that I think are absolutely OU-level uh, possibilities. And they're really not in much contact with OU at this point because OU is so driving or driving so hard on these guys from Texas and Kansas and some of these surrounding areas that I, I would say I think right now are better players. But uh, again, there's plenty of potential just within their state lines. All right. Um, Josh, anything else you want to hit on recruiting before we put you to sleep with basketball talk? Bob's waving. Can't see. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, no, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've really missed. Um, no, I, it, like I, I will say the, the only thing I'd heard recently is that it seems like Taylor Tatum's progressing pretty well with, with his recovery at Longview should be good to go for the baseball season, which is why he sat out of the all American bowl and all that stuff. So again, just a, he had a minor injury, not minor, but, wasn't wasn't a knee or anything truly dangerous, and he seems like he's back on track. Uh, do you want to send a message out to GK for support uh, <laughs> after him getting attacked all over Twitter for <laughs> hugging Lincoln Riley? I, I I love that guy. Like, to, like we all know Gerald. Does that shock any of us? Like Gerald is he loves everybody. He's just a warm person. Yeah. Yes. Like th- that. That's just who he is, and. Knowing his dad like I did, like he comes by that honestly, man. He's just a good dude. Well, and the other thing people have to realize, he's he's working to become a national media figure as well. I mean, he's doing a lot of stuff on the NFL Network. Like, you can't be being a jerk to some guy that you didn't even really know that much. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, just like how coaches are out on the road recruiting and everybody thinks that, you know, Brent were to run into – and just an example, like running to Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. he'd give him the middle finger or Urgh, something. Like, horns down. <laughs> these guys are friends. And not to say that Brent and Sark are friends, but... You're not it, friends with all your colleagues. It's but not a lot adversarial of them like everybody thinks it is. The hell it isn't, Eddie. The hell there it you isn't. Go. Yeah, guys, all I hear not about is good, fights. I'm probably not a good person to talk to about this subject. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, you're not. Um... <laughs> Uh, I, I will say the the other guy to Wasa, whose name I always forget, Riker Half. I, I wanted to make sure I gave him a little shout out. So that was uh, my bad on that. All right. Um, basketball tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this a little bit late, it's it's a must win for Oklahoma. A home game against West Virginia. Uh, crowd's been great. I think Porter sounded. I listened to your interview with him yesterday. Uh, sounded very encouraged uh, about two dollar beers and. Um, by the way, if I'm a, I'm an Uber driver, I'm making some money tonight. Two dollar beers. I mean, that's unbelievable. At a at a, a sporting event, that's a, if you go to Thunder games, you know what just a crazy price that is for beer. Well, they've had the two dollar beers like time and time again, but what Porter emphasized Tuesday was more beer stands. Right. Yeah. He said people have been waiting in line, missing too much of the game. It's like, well, if I can control something, I'm going to get more people working, more beer stands going. So people are in line a heck of a lot shorter time and get back to their seats and go ahead and start cheering again. And the students will be back, uh, yep. so that'll be exciting. And even the crowds have been great even without them. Um, the Iowa State crowd was fantastic. But um, 
you know, I, I know Eddie, you've kind of been fighting with people a little bit. I, I don't think that's widespread that people think that this team is not any good. Um, eh, I do. Well, I think, I well think, those people are f***ing idiots. I think, I think the internet is a little warped reality. <laughs> I, now, the I net and the AP, that. like everything suggests, you know, the respect is still there. But I, I think a lot of people are just saying, here we go again, just based on what they see. TCU is good. I mean, it was good. at Kansas. I, mean, I think TCU is a team that can go to the Final Four. Like, yes. Kansas is a team that should go to the Final Four. They, they lost two road games that everybody wants to burn the thing down. It's crazy to me. It's the Big 12, man. I mean, I feel like Dan Hawkins every I don't, time I say that. I don't that. know how many teams are going to go on the road this year and win in Fort Worth and uh, Lawrence. No, it's not going to happen very much. You could probably count them on one hand, to be completely honest with you. And Cincinnati's not bad. It took overtime for them to beat TCU. So. I think Cincinnati's really Cincinnati good. Cincinnati is really good. Like, they I, went into BYU be and ruined their, their 14 Big 12 of the, opener. 14 of the, or, uh, 12 of the 14 teams currently in the Big 12 are in the top 16 of uh, the net rating which is just, it's incredible. I think that this could be one of the best conferences in the history of college basketball, like seriously, uh, outside of, uh, you know, West Virginia still getting some guys back uh, from injury as well as suspension uh, or having to sit out because of the transfer. Right. Uh, and with that said, that's why West Virginia, West Virginia beat Texas exactly. on Saturday. So uh, I don't think that there's any reason to uh, be upset, but I do think that, and we've talked about it on the show, uh, Bob, just in terms of there are some serious questions, but I think that people also need to keep perspective that do I think this is a top 10 team? No, I don't. Do I think that they're probably somewhere in that 15 to 30 range if you wanted to extend it all the way down? Yeah, sure. That gets you a really good seat in the NCAA tournament and to know where that's coming from or where they're coming from as a program. I think it's a tremendous step in the right direction. And that's that's what they have to show these next two weeks. With three out of the four at home, go three and one. I don't care yeah. like if you win at Cincinnati and then yeah. maybe you lose one of the home games. Go three and one in this four-game stretch and show people that you're legitimate, that you're not just going to fade away. Because even during Kruger's final couple of years, that February swoon happened and that's what OU fans are yeah, sure. all waiting for. They're like, no, the other shoe's gonna drop. They're gonna go in the slump. They're gonna lose four or five one stretch, three or four to another, and they're gonna be clinging for their tournament lives. Why is this year different? This two week span is where Porter and the team has to show everyone this is why it's different. And Bob, what's the what's the biggest concern right now? Is it just kind of OA falling a little bit behind in, in terms of his scoring load and things like that? It's a little bit, but you know, I go with a different one. I know not everyone agrees with it. It's that Latrey Darthard and Rivaldo Suarez have disappeared. Because Porter mentioned time and time again to get older through the portal so that a true freshman isn't having to go to Allen Fieldhouse and try to handle that Carry environment. Load, yeah. But instead, these guys, are have they produced nothing the last week. And that is not, that's just not going to get the job done. Like, Darthur can't go 0 for 8 from 3 in a two-game stretch, and those are like his only, only shots that he's taking. I know they're still playing hard on defense, but you can't have these experienced guys who are like in their fifth year playing just not show up for multiple game stretches that just puts all the pressure in the world on someone like Godwin or Owe to play a little bit above or not within themselves because they got to make up the ground that they're losing from guys that they thought they could initially count on. I think that they'll play really well at home and you're going to, it's going to be a little bit of a question mark on the road. It, it kind of reminds me of when teams in the NBA get into the uh, off season, I mean, uh, into the playoffs 
and you know somebody's going to show up at home. You know he's going to shoot very well at home because he's comfortable. You get him out on the road in some of these environments, and you're going to miss shots. That's that's the world of college basketball outside of UConn, Purdue, Kansas. <laughs> your you know your upper echelon program, your Tennessees of the world, who I thought was really impressive yesterday against Florida. That's just that's kind of where college basketball is at. So West Virginia as a program, they go through the Bob Huggins scandal. Uh, are they still essentially, you know, an athletic, defensive-minded team? They're not uh, press Virginia, but yeah, they're a lot of the. Does same OU principles. have a little bit of advantage on the inside tonight? I mean, if they can stay out of foul trouble, and that's well, you know, Luke Northweather, what he did on Saturday was so crucial. Even it was just eight minutes, and it's only six six points, but being comfortable in an environment like the fog should allow the staff to know that he won't be rattled by anything else that comes his way. Because Hughley and or Godwin, they've each had some mental errors where they've committed really ticky-tack, stupid fouls, they get in foul trouble, got to take them out. Where do you go from here? You don't want Jalen Moore as your center. Like, they've had to kind of juggle a lot of things in the last week. And maybe there's one benefit if it's that Northweather becomes part of the rotation from this point forward. Maybe you live with these those two L's that you had to take to try to get there. Should be a, should be a good one. Should be fun tonight. Seven o'clock tip, I believe. Seven yeah. o'clock. Seven o'clock. ESPN Plus. Saturday. The you know speaking of like just dumb fouls, I we talked about this on the radio this morning, Bob. It's it's one of those things that like Hughley, you just can't come back in at the twelve forty nine mark, and then you look up at twelve. I think it I think it was like twelve oh five, and he's picked up two fouls, and one of those being an offensive foul when you're down by seven, and Hunter Dickinson's not even in the game. You just got to be smarter than that. So you hope that you learn from that. Uh, and you know, like you said, I, I, I agree with you that the next two weeks are really important here with a stretch that you don't normally get in conference play where you have three or four at home and you have opportunity to kind of get your head back above water. So I'm not hitting the panic button, but if we do the suitor hoop report tomorrow after a disappointing night, Thursday afternoon is going to be a rough show. You, you that, that's all I'm saying. But we, we got to set ground rules. A 13-point <laughs> win is not a bad win No, tonight. it's not a bad win. It's, it's not a bad win. Because West Virginia has shown life. They took Kansas State down to the wire, and then, of course, they did beat Texas. So they are a very different team compared to the 6-10 and 10 record that they entered tonight with. But you still you got to look like a team that shook off those two losses that sure. you know that you you belong in the same category as TCU and Kansas you just didn't show it on that particular day and i and i still don't think that like i don't know if there's a point or a, if i can envision a point where Oklahoma will be on that level this year but that doesn't mean that they're a bad basketball program that means that TCU and Kansas are really damn good and i think they can compete and go pretty far in the NCAA tournament uh, with the rosters that they've constructed. Uh, it, it, I'll tell you this, it's a lot better than what's happening up in Stillwater right now. They're miserable. They are terrible. And they're having to have some really serious conversations about kind of the future of the program. But, yeah. I mean, you look at the Big 12 and night in and night out. Last night was a perfect example outside of everything that happened at Gallagher-Iba. Those were four very high-level, high-quality games. And with the teams that they added in BYU, West Virginia, I mean, uh, BYU, Cincinnati, obviously Houston and Central Florida, who beat Kansas two weeks ago, uh, there is no easy out in this Hell, conference, even playing in Morgantown. Yeah. Yeah, they're one and two. And Houston was number two, lost two games in a row. Yeah. And they only dropped to five. So yeah. that's the respect the conference has as a whole. 
Like they uh, they have eight teams in the top twenty five, and they've earned it. And I think it'll probably stay around seven or eight the entire season. But it's going to be a different rotation. One week it's going to be Tech gets knocked out, Kansas State goes back in, Cincinnati comes in, some other team goes like Iowa State goes out. But because that's how many teams are going to be in that top thirty thirty five mark like the entire season just stay with it it's a long season it's a long season but it's a fun season because i do think that oklahoma can compete you just gotta like you said you gotta make you gotta be able to make open shots and especially on the road when you have opportunity to you know cut into a nine point deficit make it six or you know vice versa so it's a busy wednesday as bob said uh hoops report on our youtube page youtube.com slash sooner scoop look we know it's a niche audience i mean uh it's it's you know and it wins help, so I mean, yes. views were a little down last week, maybe. <laughs> Come on, people! Uh, but go check it out. A lot of great information. We'll break down we'll a have tour. Highlights uh, from yeah. the, the game tonight on sure. tomorrow's hoops report, so that'll be good. We'll have uh, we'll break down a chore a chore. The uh, Samford sophomore that was unbelievable last night, career high thirty five. He had eight threes. Wow. Um, also, we've got the family business uh, show coming up tonight uh, on YouTube. Uh, Eddie misspoke yesterday it's not drake and isaac show it's joe c jr and isaac i think show. that i have talked about the stoops twins so much that when i talk about one i automatically talk about the it's drake other. and isaac it's just always it's like together. drake and josh yeah kind of a little bit <laughs> uh but drake will be their guest tonight so uh yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun he's gonna be here in studio all of them will be uh so we're looking forward to that we'll be taping that tonight uh just before the the the, the uh, basketball game so uh Looking forward to putting that up on YouTube uh, tomorrow as well. So um, keep checking out that YouTube page. Appreciate everybody that's uh, watching and, and subscribing and liking and all that stuff. Uh, just like you should be subscribing to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, whatever, uh, the unofficial 40. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, great seeing Baker win over the weekend. Uh, that was uh, a great performance by him. Even happier that he's going to get paid a lot of money by somebody um, in I mean, one. I, look, I don't think they'll beat the Lions. I, I hope Baker's not listening to this, but um, give him the chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I'm, I'm contributing to that boulder that's going to be on his shoulder. Uh, but man, one win away from an NFC Championship game for Baker. I mean, could it's you crazy. imagine? It's crazy. I I feel like, I guess, unfortunately, we've watched a lot of Bucks games this year. Mm-hmm. I know that we've talked about it on Sundays in the War Room. That was the best they've played. Now, yep. with that said, I think that the problems in Philadelphia are so astronomical that even when they got the safety, it was like, I I don't really have a feeling that Philly's going to be able to get back into this game. Credit to uh, Baker, though. That was awesome. He was he was fantastic. And his numbers should have been much better that's not, that's if Kate Otten doesn't yeah, drop all those four drops balls. in the first yeah, half. Yeah, Otten's probably his most reliable receiver. Who's been really good. Yeah, he's been outside really, of, Well, outside of Mike Evans. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans had some big drops, though. A couple sure. of, one for sure drop, and then one that was kind of on the I fingertips. Do, I, I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to win this weekend, but I do think that there is opportunity with, uh, you know, the, the secondary situation for uh, Detroit. They're going to be able to, if Baker can be really good, if he can duplicate what he did last week. If he can get time with Aiden you might, Hutchinson. You might have some time. You, you might be able to go in there and, uh, and make a little noise. He's going to get, he's not going to have as much time as he had against Philadelphia. And by the way, the, I don't know what happened to Philadelphia's defensive line because they used to be dominant. They're just awful. But, think, his, but Baker's which, got a good offensive line, just not a great offensive line. They've got they've you know, got to they, stay healthy. They have gotten better. Like mm-hmm. their ability to run the football, and particularly yeah. over the last you know six seven weeks of the season, it went from 
don't even run the ball or don't even try to, okay, yeah, like maybe you can average three and a half, four yards a carry and be able to figure it out. And I think that that's one of the reasons that they've won six of seven. And you also, you know, Baker's able to actually sit back there and buy some time without a holding penalty, yeah, which sure. has been a problem. Sure. For they, they, I don't know who their offensive line coach is, but he's done a pretty damn good job getting them to uh, just winning a playoff game. I mean, It'll be interesting because his offensive coordinator is up for jobs. And yeah. if he leaves, Baker's a free agent. You know, I, I think Tampa will probably hell if he goes to the NFC game, they might throw two hundred million at him. I mean, they're going to have to pay two hundred million. I would I would tell him to sign. <laughs> yeah, I would say sign immediately. Like, don't do even look it around. Doesn't even it doesn't even matter what team it is. But I mean, he is now kind of submitted himself as a top ten quarterback. I mean, on the very last part of it, but you look around the NFL and quarterbacks this day and age. Like, if you can get a Baker Mayfield the way he's playing now. There's a lot of people that would love sure. to have Baker right now. And especially now. when you go back, you know, six, seven months ago, and he had basically been thrown to the curb by Carolina and didn't really know where he was going to go after Los Angeles and that kind of those spot duties that he was making at the end of the season last year. Uh, there's no doubt that he should be the comeback player of the year. I mean, yeah. it's it's almost, I think, a clinch that he is. Yeah. Outside of, like, I mean. I mean, for a while, Justin Fields, people were talking about him, but I think he's. Yeah, out of and, and Joe Flacco, but the way that that ended, I don't know if you can necessarily, like, he won his playoff game. I I think that he has been kind of uh, what everybody around here would like to think that he is, endeared himself to the locker room. The front office loves him. It would seem that Tampa's the place that he's going to be for the next couple of years, and it's it's pretty cool. And he he's probably, it. and he's saving his head coach's job too. At the, at yeah, the same no kidding. Time. So now, I was like, Todd Bowles should give him some money. Not get hit in the ribs on Monday. That's yeah, it. he just he's beat up. He's beat up. So. There's no doubt about that. He looked pretty good running around. I mean, he that, did. So that was Baker was knows nice. how to. I mean, he played what, what was a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. Mm-hmm. He played with yeah him. in Cleveland. In Cleveland, so yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of how we got here. Is him trying to play hurt, I play know. through injury, and you know the rest was trying history. to be Baker. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about all the games. I think that uh, the playoffs. You know, the games weren't very good over the weekend, but I think that this weekend it's going to be pretty. Can you imagine Buffalo fun. having to do that all over again, bring all those people in to get rid of the snow again. My dream job. I think they just shovel oh snow. Oh my god, you oh, are that, a show shoveler. I forgot. Awesome. I know that they were getting lake effect here over the last couple of days, but I think it should clear out. I don't know if it's going to melt, but it should clear out by Sunday. It's supposed to be like 30 or something. Warm front. I just I hate myself for not taking. Kansas City over Miami. I'm sure you made a bundle on it. It was fair and adequate <laughs> in the second half. No, I, I had a I had a buddy that went up there that was at the game. I don't know how anybody did it. He was in like it. six layers of clothing. I, I truly don't know how anybody did it. Eichard went up there. Because so. we when we were Just walking walk out of to, Lauren, field, field Yeah, house. when we were walking out of the field house, it was like my hands nope. <laughs> had to literally sit in the car because my hand, I, you couldn't feel your hands. It was so damn cold. I'm not. I'm not built for that. I know I'm fat, but I'm still not built for that. Um, I don't even know if the camera would work in that cold question. weather. Yeah, like I don't know. I. I it barely survived. Uh, what was it, Kansas this year? Uh, yeah, but that had that had a lot game. to do with like just how wet it was outside too. Yeah. So they they kind of got lucky in that regard. But it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It's it's going to be a good uh, divisional round for the uh, the playoffs. Hopefully, Baker and them show out. But. Then again, I'm going to play both sides of the fence. <laughs> I I love Detroit. I love everything about it. I love uh, Dan Campbell. It's going to be everything. a madhouse. Like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's as close to a college-level atmosphere as you can possibly get. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit on before we get out of here today? I don't think so. You know, it, it's kind of crazy 
But uh, OU baseball's already started practice. I know softball, that softball was yeah. unanimous number one. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun for the spring sports. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma softball and what they're doing. I need to drive by Love's Field. I haven't been. It's over coming there together. In a while. I know they got a month. They got a month and yeah. a half to get this done. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Joe C said you should take a look at Larry Nafee's car because he's in charge and getting mud all over it yep. and stuff. So. It's funny. The, uh, and I think baseball is going to be very competitive. I, they weren't in like D1 baseball's preseason top 25, but I would be very surprised if they weren't in there, you know, by, let's say, beginning of Big 12 play, conference season. We know about, you know, Jackson Nicholas. Um, you know, he needs to have a bounce back year, but what are the other kind of big names? I mean, that, everybody's back. Yeah. Everybody's back. And they went out and I'm not just incredibly familiar with all the arms that they brought in. I know the Jacob Golston kid's going to be a true freshman that they were pleasantly surprised that decided to get to campus instead of going, uh, you know, and signing after getting drafted. I, I think that their starting rotation should be very, very good. And it's kind of an interesting year for them just in terms of that final tune-up, if you will, going through the Big 12 before you get ready for SEC play, which is going to kind of mirror uh, Big 12 basketball and that you're in a, you're entering a gauntlet where – you know, you need to take two or three every weekend if you're at home, and if you go on the road, you need to try to not get swept. That type of deal. So, is is Nesta here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. yeah. He yep. started he started classes. Yeah, uh, today, today, just today, like everybody yeah. else. So he'll yep. be out there with the baseball team. Yeah, I think that Josh. We talked about this a little bit, but I think that the plan is basically, uh, and I I I need to still get official clarification on like how much he can do. I don't know if he can actually go out and say like practice in the bullpen with them as opposed to oh hey i'm in town can i come get a quote-unquote lesson from mm -hmm. skip, uh, skip. Mm -hmm. yeah like something something like that but he's gonna be around for sure and i don't think that with as many arms as they have uh going into the season i don't know if they'd be ready to throw a true freshman out there anyways i think he still needs to develop a little bit all right. Uh, enjoyed it been a lot of fun appreciate uh, everybody uh jumping on once again we'll be back again uh, like I said, with the uh, Family Business uh, YouTube show tonight or tomorrow, uh, the Hoops Report tomorrow as well, uh, and then, of course, your Unofficial 40 pod uh, coming out now. So thanks, everybody. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.